Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, canoe racing fans. I'm Kevin Olson, your host. Today, I am joined with Rebecca Davis, Ryan Matthews, and our guest today is Caitlin Miner. How are we doing, everybody? Doing, awesome. doing great. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that I just let that bad. <laughs> like, who's gonna answer first? Um, Everyone. Today's episode we are is going to be our season opener episode. So we kind of have the group together here to kind of talk about the upcoming season. I think we're all getting excited because this is going to be the first season that's more normal than the past two seasons because of uh, you know that uh, nasty c word and. We are going to be breaking down all of the recent action and kind of um, give you some previews on some of the upcoming races. Glad to have you guys all on the show. We're going to start today in, we're going to try to keep this short. So we're going to start today with the Michigan scene. And just this past weekend was the opener of you guys' season was the was the Klondike, this which some of you guys call the Super Bowl. It does have that uh, inside joke, doesn't it? <laughs> that's I think that's something Bill says, but you know uh, he's not I've, here. I've I've heard LJ and a couple others mention it too. Yeah, uh, I think LJ is trying to even get a trophy made up for it. Oh, nice. But, uh, we did we did have the Klondike this past weekend. Uh, it was the 25th annual Klondike in Oscoda. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who didn't know, the Klondike originated in Grayling in the 70s, and it, it switched to Oscoda in 1996. Um, okay. We had uh, a, an average field with some really fast paddlers. Uh, West Dean and Ryan Halstead took the crown, and that was Ryan's record seventh win. And Wes oh. is second. Nice, nice. Now, how was um, how were the conditions? Because it seems like, I mean, I watch you guys' weather just so I know how grateful I am to be down here in Florida. <laughs> but it seems like you guys have been having a doozy of a spring. It's still winter. It feels like it. <laughs> so it was, I, I, oh, go ahead, Brian. I was, I was just going to say, it was... It was kind of chilly. The sun tried peeking out, which which felt nice, and the the water was high, but the times were still slow. Yeah, I was I was looking at the times on Strava, and I was wondering about that because I was like looking at the average speeds, and I'm like, man, I thought they would be a little. In other races, they're typically higher, so I was wondering if the water was low, but it could be because it was high. So the Klondike course is a little bit unique. We actually have more upstream than downstream in that race. Um, oh, so you okay. start start at the furthest downstream point of the course and then paddle all the way up and you finish roughly halfway back down. Um, so there isn't much downstream. It's pretty tight. And with the, with the current being high, since it's a pretty technical twisty course, it tends to 
at least I believe, have slower times when that happens. One thing that was a little bit interesting, having raced this year's race, there was a really, like, boats uh, second through fifth place. I was in that pack. Usually Klondike doesn't pack up, but we were kind of all together for, like, 30 minutes of the 40-minute race. Mike Davis and Zach Childs won our pack. They were second. And Weston, Willoughby, and Tad Hill were third. And then Matt Mearsman and I were fourth. Kyle, Kyle Stonehouse, Kyle Minor were fifth. So they rounded out the top five. But I think I noticed more and even deeper in the field that there were people kind of together. And with the water a little bit higher, it's sort of easier to stay together, but um, also harder to make the turns. There's there's some gnarly turns on that course. Uh, the one right near my house in particular, I was surprised no one tipped there this year. Yeah, I was too. There's a, it's it, it seems like it's one of the courses with the with more drop. So we have a lot of boils and swirls compared to most Michigan rivers, which isn't anything to the New York or probably a Texas race, but definitely adds some challenge, especially when it's only 35 or 40 degrees and you really don't want to go in. Also at Klondike, which is really cool, um, I think, is we have a C1 or a kayak category two, which most of the Michigan races, we run those totally separate, like separate days. Klondike, you can choose if you're doing C1 or C2, and that had a decent turnout as well. Yeah, it did. We had uh, nine C1s and four kayaks, which is the most kayaks we've had in a while. Uh, Usually we just get one or two. Austin Weiler pulled out the win in the C1, and my dad was second place a few minutes behind. Nice, nice. Was there anything that, that surprised you guys about the about the race? Quite honestly, a little bit surprised. The winners didn't pull out further ahead. They only won by just over a minute, Wes and Ryan, and expecting them to jump out maybe three or four minutes ahead just with both Mike and Weston having really good, strong partners, but probably not racing with, you know, like Wes and Ryan are going to, I think, race the Asable together and are probably go- looking to to get a win if they can. And I was, I was just really expecting them to come out and like completely dominate the field. Of course, when you get out to a minute lead, you don't have to. So <laughs> a right. win's a win. Right. And it's still it's still extremely early in the season too, so that's something that if they're trying to peak for the the sopple, they might be not in you know top fitness to 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 be able to pull further away. Yeah, yeah that's oh, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> oh no, you first. Oh, I was gonna say that's definitely that's definitely true. Like Ryan said, we've seen Ryan Halstead win this race a lot, and usually. If he can, he's doing it in dominating fashion. I was, like I said, I was just a little surprised. I'm not worried about their season at all. I mean, they're going to be great. Just looking at how the teams matched up, a lot of double sterns racing together, things like that, that usually favors the team that's already training and paired up and, and you know, kind of going for the season. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's the first race setting for a lot of teams of the year, so... It's kind of having to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. The biggest surprise for me was the the slower race times, but, you know, it was kind of a weird, the the water was high, but I don't think you could cut a lot of corners. That's, that's definitely, 
I noticed that with some water here that when when the water gets high, it's just the the current the you lose too much on the upstreams to to gain it back on the downstreams. All right, great. Um, your guys' next race is until you know the middle of May with the Ross Common, so we're going to transition down to where the racing is hot and heavy. So thank you for coming on the show, Caitlin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on what's going on down there in Texas? Yeah, so down here we've got a little race series put on by our club called Martindale Athletic Club, so we call it the Mac Series. This year we actually didn't have a Mac 1 race because part of the course is under construction. So we only have 3 races this year. So we had our first one last weekend which was a 24 mile race then we had our second or should be the third was actually our second this year this most recent weekend that was about 21 miles and then in two weeks we've got our last race which is our biggest race called the night race and that's about 26 miles definitely our most notable race just because of the nighttime factor particular section of the court the race course has typically a lot of log jams in it so that's a really fun factor to have to traverse at night and then we finish that race off with a fish fry at the end which is really fun yeah that's what we've got going on right now so it looks like uh with your correct me if i'm wrong with your mac races don't those run on portions of the safari course Yeah, so across all four races, we cover the first 90 miles of the safari course. So, yeah, broken up between those four races. It's definitely the most difficult part of the safari course. Like, if you're going to come out of the safari for a boat issue, it's probably going to be in these first 90 miles. Like, the rest of the race will get you because of, say, like, your mental or physical health, but not as much of, like, boat beater sections in the le- the next part of the race but yeah yeah this is our first 90 miles of the course though and then within the next couple weeks we're also going to have the prelim so the prelim determines your start position for the safari and then second weekend in june will be the actual safari itself so with these uh the first four series that, that you normally have do you find that people are just staying with their um, respective teams and partners that they plan to do the safari with or are they or is everyone mixing up in these so i definitely feel like the more seasoned of a racer that you are you're mixing it up quite a bit if you're newer to the sport or even if it's just you haven't raced the safari a ton those teams tend to stay together so like a lot of our novice teams we'll see them pack up like each race but our older racers definitely tend to spread out a bit um this year all of our really good guys are kind of packed up into two teams so we've got two really good six mans that are going to go after it this year and so we've definitely seen them kind of stay together and then they're also breaking up some yeah, I believe the Mac two, uh, the winners of that were one of those six man teams, um, and that was Logan Minar, Weston Willoughby, Ian Rolls, Andrew Condi, uh, Gaston Jones, and Clay Wyatt, and that that's their race six 
for the safari, isn't it? Yep, yep, you're right. That's their six man. And then their contenders are going to be um, Tommy Yonley, Tim Rask, Chris Isendorf, Kyle Isendorf, William Russell, and Nick Walton. Um, which notably, Kyle Isendorf is only 16 years old and he is doing an amazing job. Um, he actually did our race this past weekend solo. So he did that 21 miles by himself in an unlimited solo boat. And he did really great. And he actually would have finished about 20 minutes faster, but he broke his rudder. So he still did great. He finished top 20, but yeah, he could have been a lot quicker if that hadn't happened to him, but he's really doing a lot of big things this year. So that is kind of one fun thing we're seeing this year is that a bunch of the younger guys are getting out. So under 18 guys. And so that's really fun to see. Yeah, that should be a great race at the front of the safari. And I think another notable thing is a lot of the Texas women's teams have kind of broken up. So it looks like you guys are doing a lot of um, C2 racing and Mac 2 and 3 against each other, which looks um, pretty, pretty fun. Yeah, that is really fun. Um, yeah, a lot of us, well, not a lot, but a few of us decided to forego the safari this year just because we're kind of focusing on some of the races up north a little bit more. And so, yeah, we're trying to really get that C2 time in. Yeah, it looks um, in the, and I, I don't know if you guys were in different design boats, but um, at Mac 3, uh, it was a close race between Lydia, um, oh goodness, how do you say Lydia's last name? Heel Scamp. Heel Scamp, okay, Lydia yes. Heel Scamp and Mary Schlimmer race D2, and then Caitlin, our co-host, and Cecily Boogie raced, um, did you guys race Unlimited? Yeah, we did. Um, and you yeah, were... It's kind of hard to find river layup C2s around here, so... We try to keep our boats that will actually take to the Osable nice. And so you really can't race those on the river. Like we can only use beater boats on the San Marcos and those aren't as easy to find. So we kind of needed to take a boat that we could speed up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that completely makes sense. I, I have a fiberglass V1 and that's like my favorite boat because I can take it anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you guys were close, both, both women's teams in the top 10 and I think only 45 seconds apart and finish. So um, it's exciting to, to see that down there. And like you said, lots of, lots of young racers um, in, in a lot of the events. Um, I can't remember if it's in, which one, but I've seen um, Lily Jones racing some, I think, as well. Right? Yeah, Lily, Lily is amazing. She's got to be getting close to her fourth safari this year, at least, if not her fifth. And I think she's only fixing to turn 19. So, yeah, Lily is definitely very much on everybody's radar. She's awesome. Just her family in general, like her dad, her uncle, they show up to all of the races. Um, they're a very involved family. 
It's really exciting to see uh, so many younger paddlers coming out of Texas. You guys really have a good thing going with your race series and club down there and a super awesome community. Um, I haven't I haven't been down to Texas for a race yet, so that's that's something that's definitely on my list. I don't know about safari yet, though. That kind of the heat scares me a little bit. Yeah, it's actually been really hot so far already, too. I was surprised that the race that Weston came down for, that he didn't really seem to be affected by the heat because I thought it was really hot. And <laughs> I was waiting for him to be like, yeah, it was hot to like validate my thought. But no, he didn't seem to be bothered by it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's definitely really warm already, which is good in a way, because I know we talked about this last time, but usually the safari is the first really hot weekend. So people have a lot of difficulty adjusting to the heat that fast, but it's already pretty stinking hot. So everybody should be well adjusted by the time June comes around. Yeah, the heat is no, the heat's no joke. It's been hot down here, too. Like it was almost 90 today, so it was uh, it's been rough. But um, it, Caitlin, if people want to look up the results and everything, where did they do that? Yeah, so it's not we don't have like a super formal way of recording everything. Um, really, right now it's only through the Facebook page. So okay. I'll post results after each race, and then they get put into the files section of the Facebook page. What's the Facebook um, page? It's just Martindale Athletic Club. Okay. But I'm just I'm trying to get a website together, but it just keeps getting pushed off. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. But yeah, the times from both of the races looked really good this year. Um, pretty. They kind of hold steady year to year. They're with racing in Texas. It can be difficult to compare year to year because you really need to take the water into account. Um, we can get pretty serious water fluctuations, but it's actually kind of looking somewhat similar to what it was last year. And for those who are racing the safari, it's going to be a low water year. It looks like, um, which is painful to think about, but. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're looking pretty good. Um, times were definitely a little bit faster last year, which is sort of surprising because the water was a little lower between both races. But, you know, people are really getting out there. And a lot of kudos to the novice and younger teams, you know, just teams who haven't raced the safari a ton because we're seeing a bunch of those people show up week to week. And I really enjoy seeing that because they're really who these races are for. Um, you know, we want the novice and just people who are newer to the community to have a way to show up and meet people and learn what racing is really like. And so I'm really always glad to see when they come. Well, should we move it on to some some New York racing? I think that's sure. maybe not started quite so much yet, but that's our first major races of the season uh, coming with the leading up to the general Clinton. Yeah, for sure. So in the New York, we'll call it New York, New England, um, season is just about to get started. So this weekend is the rat race, which is a super fun race. Um, and then the weekend after that is what they call the legends, which in my opinion, I mean, it's 
somewhat close to they used to have the the upper uh upper susquehanna peddlers and paddlers uspp race that used to be the spring race um legends uh race is now taking over that which is basically um uh it's a wells bridge race um and they basically highlight a different uh local legend um and then we you know then there's canton uh right after that so the that scene's going to be um getting hot and heavy here um in the in the coming weeks so um for those of you that aren't familiar with the rat race rat race is a really fun race um it's about like six seven miles um and what they do is you ha- your boat has to be 18 feet or less so it excludes pretty much all of our normal uh, racing boats and so people make these special racing boats what they do is they'll like chop down 18 six boats um or they'll make wood strips um and then you get a whole bunch of recreationals it's just a, it's just a lot of a lot of fun right now they have 154 boats signed up uh normally i think they have in the mid twos they're like 300 boats and it's a so, mass oh go ahead, yeah go ahead. so it's um in 2019 they had 209 and a lot of people do sign up kind of last minute so i think i think registrations open another day or so um but they're they said they get a big run of registrations kind of the last day so they're thinking this is going to be a big like a pretty big rat race yeah from what i've heard yeah and uh so and the last time they so they haven't had it for like two years and the last time they had it was uh in 2019 with the with a very controversial start um you were there for rebecca and i was there um correct you were there you said right yeah yeah Yeah. they uh, i was there and so the rat race uh you draw for position starting position and everyone lines up on the left bank of the river um, so number one gets the first spot closest to the bridge. Number 209 is actually back around a corner and you can't even see the starting line. Um, and someone right about at boat 75 um, blew off an air horn, maybe 30 seconds or a minute before the cannon was supposed to go off. So everyone in the back half of the field just went. And then the cannon went once they got right into like the the front part of the field. So instead of having 200 boats spread out over say a quarter mile, you had like 200 boats in like a hundred yards. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty wild um, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think the race, it took the winner like 34 minutes. So, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of time to get sorted out, but um, yeah, it, it's always a, a fun race, and um, there will definitely be some top teams there, but usually people mix it up a little bit, um, maybe not with their Clinton partners, uh, yeah. just because it is it is so so different of a race format. Um, yeah, it was pure pandemonium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have the. I think they have dive teams that get people. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, help people oh, get yeah. back to their boat or fished out of the river. Yeah, for um, sure. 
because it inevitably you will have people flip. So it's not a wide river by any means. Right. Yeah. And then, um, but then there's also they're they're um, bringing back the River Rat uh, Pro Race on the next day. So um, that's a more traditional race. So um, so that'll be f- interesting to see who shows up for that. Um, question for you, Caitlin. Um, I know you guys like to you Texans seem to like to go up to Michigan for racing. Um, do you guys have any like uh, New York races that you guys have slated other than, I mean, I know some of you guys go up for the Clinton, but, um, yeah. So, but yeah, obviously we've got quite a few of us going to the Clinton. I really just need to pay more attention on what's going on in New York. Um, I feel like I only really see Phoebe's posts about things that are happening, but we mm-hmm. do have one Texan going up to Canton, um, Lydia teamed up with a girl from Quebec, um, and so she's meeting mm-hmm. her in Canton so that yep. they can get a training in before the Clinton starts. Cool. But, yeah, we do need to do a, make a better job of making it out to New York. I don't really know why more people don't do that, but, yeah, yeah everybody's very hooked on Michigan, though. Yeah. Yeah, Eve, uh, Eve Chamberlain is, is who I think she's paddling with. And funny story, she bought my uh, – my previous C1 <laughs> for me. Oh, so. Lydia did? No, no, not Lydia. Eve did. Oh, Eve. Eve. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, that's funny. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, so, yeah. And so we'll see, you know, the big, the big news, in my opinion, with the rat race is that Trevor and Ben aren't going to be racing it this year. Um, for those of you that know, Ben is, is going, is a, going to be a a father soon so um congratulations to him and um so they won it the past two times and so it leaves it open and the there's a pretty good payout for the rat race too if i'm not mistaken yeah there is they pay um pretty well and pretty deep too i think they pay um maybe the top 30 or 40 will we'll get paid and the, the, the winners take home a pretty good, uh, it's, it's a pretty good payout. I, I don't remember what it is, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, I would, I don't, not knowing who all is racing, the, the list won't be, uh, released until later in the week. Um, but I do know that Ryan Zaverall has, uh, teamed up with Jake Crost. Closer. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm sorry, Jake. I paddled with you and I still am messing your name up. But um, <laughs> I, I would say they're probably going to be one of the favorites. <laughs> um, really, Jake, just go slam another beer on your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Patrick Madden um, will be there with someone and those guys will be really tough. Yeah. Um, and I know all it's the luck of the draw too. Um, all shavers usually right up in the top, the mix in the top. Yep. Uh, then there's also some local local paddlers uh, that do really well there. It's it's a big deal. Um, in 2019, Kevin Boss and Andy Hall were the first super local team. Um, yeah. Mass- both I believe they're both in Massachusetts. They were sixth. Um, Brent Lysickle race, I'm assuming. Adam. Adam. Adam, yes, Adam, of course. Jelinas will will race. Um, He raced with Pat Madden 
in 2019 and they were fourth. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them going together again and, and being really strong um, to, to potentially win again. I'm not sure who the, who's all racing together because we won't get that until, until the, the number draw is going to happen. Um, and they get, they get everyone put together, but that's something to look out for and just see, uh, most of the teams that are in the top also race the pro day on Sunday. So you get kind of a good, good feel about, um, the new England and New York teams, uh, pre pre Clinton. Right. Um, yeah. I, th- and Canton, of course, you know, at the end of the month, uh, or beginning of May, I guess, <laughs> not the end of April. Um, that race is always a really big one on our calendar. Yeah. Uh, all it's about two hours ish for Mon- Montreal to get to Canton. So a lot of the Canadians will come down for that. And it's, you really see kind of get, get the feel for where everyone potentially will finish in the Clinton. And I think it does translate pretty well to your Clinton finish because it's such a tough race. Um, two hours yeah, both upstream sure. and down. So uh, if you're winning that race, you're, you're in good position to, to do some damage yeah for sure especially because of how canton set up too because it's the same course two days in a row and they do the c1 on the first day um so you know if if you're if you crush it on the c1 you're gonna you're gonna be feeling it the next day and it is a it's a it's it is a good mixture of um you have uh power section so like you know in the grass river there's a you know a pretty pretty substantial current so in the upstreams you really you know um separates the field um based on you know a lot of power it's there's there's the rock garden there's some some technical sections uh in that but they're more like uh um you gotta navigate the current more than uh you know like a twisty turny um, but then you, once you turn around and then go down the, the grass river, then you have to go up the, the little river, um, which is very, um, technical with some, um, you know, switchback turns in there, um, that are very hard to hit if you're not, especially in the C1 race, that's really where a lot of people separate, um, as well. But, um, so yeah, so it is a great predictor, and and like you said, because there's you know Michigan people tend to come, um, and the Canadians tend to come. I'd love to see some of the Texans go up there. Um, that would be a really good race if the Texans ever you know did want to um, come. I I would probably pick that as one of the better New York races. Um, it's run really well, and uh, um, like I said, it's it's a, it's a good time frame to get you prepped for the, for the Clinton for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a C1 focus for anyone who hasn't been there. That's, that's the quote unquote big race of the weekend. Uh, so it, it's probably, if you want to know who actually is the best C1 paddler, uh, usually you can figure that out. It can, uh, I would say it has the toughest C1 field overall. Um, maybe the spikes race, in Michigan has a similar depth of field, but with the mm-hmm. way the start is and the different heats, you, you don't get um, quite as good of a, an indicator of who's really moving well solo. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You guys, you guys have some C1 races where you guys have really deep fields, but the, the only thing that it um, 
I can see when I've like looked at the like um not the results but the the, the entry lists is that you, you guys have a really deep, deep field but it's almost all Michigan people for the most part in a right, lot of those right. races. So whereas in this race it does get a um a good mixture of of different areas um you know uh so that's why it's it's nice. And that's actually I do want to bring up I just released a um, article on the website. So I've been thinking about this for a long time since I moved down here. And I wanted a way to, I want to start thinking about ways to help predict um, one's ability level. And so basically what I wrote up on the website is a, a study slash experiment, very informal um, but trying to to get it done as best as we can. So I need anyone out there that might have a Concept 2 and a paddle adapter that it plans on going to Canton. Um, if you guys would like to participate in the experiment, basically what it is is from now until Canton, um, we use, I want to use a two-week window um, because you really don't change your you, – you don't gain substantial amounts of fitness in two weeks um, and everyone's going to be training. So it should be negligible. Um, but what the premise is, is do a 5k time trial on the paddling, uh, you know, ergometer and then compare times on a paddle ergometer to the race results at Canton. And the reason I want to do it on the paddle ergometer is because if you look at other endurance sports like cycling and triathlon, um, namely, um, you could probably start to get this into running now um, because of the uh, now the prevalence of power meters are starting to emerge in running. But it's very heavy in, in cycling where uh, they talk about watts per kilogram. And that is a big indicator of potential performance in those sports. So you can, if you can put, you know, four watts per per kilogram on a climb, um, that's going to put you somewhere in the mix, you know. Whereas in like a pro is going to do like six to seven watts per kilogram. So I was trying to do this comparison between. Um, cycling and paddling. I'm like, well, you know, we have these paddling ergometers that will tell you how many watts you do. So it, it tells you what your power output is. So what if we got a group of people to see what their average, you know, watts are over the, uh, over 5k time trial, which is, should be around about 25 minutes, you know, um, give or take five minutes and so it's not that long of a of a of a test, um, very similar to what uh, an FTP test would be for cycling, and then go and in, in in race Canton and then see how it compares. So if you know paddler A, B, and C had you know 100 watts, 120 watts, 130 watts. Did they then finish in that order or does it not matter? Is it more about the skill of canoeing that's going to uh, 
give you a, a race result in a race like Canton. So I want to explore this. So if any of you guys are interested in uh, helping us out with this, um, re- reach out to me and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. So. Um, and do you guys cool. have any thought? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Do you guys think about this stuff, or is it am I the only kooky one? So I've definitely never thought about that, but the this is a surf ski race that happens out in Oregon. So the guy Carter Johnson who puts that on, he mm-hmm. does uh, something similar to this, but it's not on this big of a scale. It's a I think it's a one minute for how many. Um, like your power rating that you can put out and Mm -hmm. it's just like a you know like a carnival ride you know just like who's the biggest strongest person Um, but it sounds really similar to that but it is a cool idea plus just a fun thing for everyone who wherever you're at to be able to participate in yeah for sure and so like where I was going with it is, you know, if, if we do this, you know, and we start, you know, if we do it over, you know, let's say two, three years, you could then, you know, say, okay, well, for you to be competitive at Canton, you need to be able to do a 5K time trial on an ergometer at 130 watts, let's say. So then you have something like, it doesn't matter then where you're training, you know, you're training in Texas, you're training in, in Manitoba, you're training in Alaska. You know, if you have one of these, you know, if you have a power meter or you have, which there isn't a power meter out there, but if you have um, one of these ergometers, you can do, you know, a test um, and kind of have a comparative fitness marker, you know. So, um, so that was kind of the thought with it, but. Um, Ryan, would you be, would this be something you'd be interested in? I would definitely like to see the data from it. Right. Um, I don't myself have a concept to, or any kind of paddling machine, but if I did, I, I would definitely jump in and give my, uh, paltry little results. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's why I thought, I thought you might be interested in the, in the results side of it and stuff like that, because, uh, we could also, you know, take it and, and, you know, look at comparatively, um, to other races and stuff too. But I just figured Canton's going to be one of the bigger, um, you know, C1 events. Uh, so I thought that that might be a good one to, to use as a benchmark, but all right, enough about that. Let's, uh, move on. So this show, we're going to kind of be wrapping up here, but kind of want to give you guys just a little bit of a teaser, um, we do plan on doing a full Clinton preview show because, uh, I feel like this year's Clinton's going to be a good race. So, uh, in that show, we are going to be, you know, talking about the, you know, Canada coming back and the super strong women's field that's kind of uh, wrapping up, but we want to make sure that there's more teams entered. Uh, the first cutoff for those of you that haven't entered yet is uh, April 25th. So that's coming up here. And that's usually when we have a good estimation of, of most of the field. So we probably won't do that until at least after that first cutoff, but um, definitely um, the Clinton is going to be, um, 
a good race to to look out for this year and we plan on doing a full episode um breaking down who's going to show and what you can expect at the at the Clinton this year Yeah, it's going to be really awesome to have a a true full field triple crown race for the first time in two years. So I'm really looking forward to racing it and seeing everyone. And it seems like a lot of paddlers are really motivated and training to to put on a good show this year. Yeah, for sure. So before we uh, stop, is there anything else anyone wants to add? I'll take that silence as a no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for coming on uh, tonight and, you know, talking about our favorite topic of uh, canoe racing. Uh, Caitlin, especially a, a big thank you to you. Um, you came on in the super last minute um, with no <laughs> kind of just jumped in, which is awesome. Uh, so we appreciate that so much. Um, And so until next time, guys, keep paddling on. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com. And don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling. Keep paddling.